the Off The Ball Podcast Network. Yes, hello there. You're very welcome to another episode of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore, with you on Sunday this week. And thanks very much for joining me, as thousands of you do each and every week. Coming up over the next hour or so, I'm going to interview the first ever referee to be an appearance maker on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast, Paul Chuse, in my opinion, the best referee in the league in recent years. He ref his last game in Sligo against Derry on Saturday. He will be an assistant additional referee behind one of the goals for the FAI Cup final between Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers on November 3rd. He'll reflect on his career. Him being a massive Ireland football fan, he goes to every game home and away and has done for about 15 years. And also being a sergeant major in the Air Corps. Dara Doyle will tell us why he wants to be the next permanent Longford Town manager. He took over on a caretaker basis from Neil Fenn and he is one of the people on the shortlist for the new job. Having played and coached in both leagues over the years, he's going to tell us as well about uh, what structure should be in place. He is not a fan of the suggested split after two series of games. We'll hear from Brendan Dawson, who's a massive Shamrock Rovers fan and you know a character around the league. He plays for Airfield and he joined us a couple of months ago to tell us about his diagnosis with cancer and the fight against cancer. And he made his return to football on Saturday. He'll tell us about that. And again relayed a message for young men and men of all ages really to check themselves as much as possible we'll start though on this week's Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast at Daily Mount, at Richmond Park should I say and Daily Mount really on Friday when Bohemians secured their path into the Europa League for next season after a 0-0 draw against St Pat's it was a really good game Pat's were good both had James Finnerty sent off and James Talbot made one of the best saves I've ever seen live in the League of Ireland to stop Chris Forrester's goal-bound shot and had the shot went in I think that shot would have won goal of the season so surely James Talbot's save has to win save of the season it was the point that Bohemians needed to qualify for Europe and then on Saturday Derry City beat Sligo Rovers by two goals to one and that has all but secured their path to Europe because it means that Unless St. Pat's win both games, they can't really catch Derry. So Bowes on 57 and Derry on 54. Pats are now on 49. Bats and Derry play each other on Tuesday night. So if Pats won that, it'll bring the gap down to two points. And then the last weekend of the season, St. Pats would have to beat Dundalk and hope that Derry City are beaten in their game, which is at home to Finn Harps. And these interviews were done before we knew that result. So when you hear from Stephen O'Donnell talking about Europe, he didn't know yet that Derry had beaten Sligo. But first, we're going to hear from the Bowes camp in a moment, the captain, Derek Pender. But first, the manager, Keith Long, all chatting to our O'Sheen Langan. Keith Long, Bohemian's manager. Tell me what the achievement of bringing Bowes back to Europe means to you. Uh, obviously, we're delighted to bring the club um, Back into into Europe, like you say, it's, it's it's a fantastic achievement for the players, fantastic achievement for the board of the club who took over um, in difficult circumstances when the club was probably you know on its knees and um, steadily we've been able to year on year I suppose um, move forward and progress and and ultimately progression on the pitch tonight is a is a reward for what we've done over a good number of years and I think we've got go, some good foundations in place at the club and and. Um, you know, hopefully the future is bright with the talent that we have, with the young players coming through. Um, and, and but really, it's a reward for the for the people that come through the gate. The supporters have got behind the team all year, but but also for the people around the club. Uh, fantastic for the players and uh, the backroom staff to have something tangible at the end of the year. And it must be very pleasing for you and Trevor and all the management team because as a management team, I imagine you want to make an impact on a club. You've kind of changed their status back to. You've kind of upgraded them by bringing them back to Europe. You've brought them up a couple of notches. That's quite the impact to make. Yeah, well, Bowes is a is a big Dublin club. And, you brought uh, them back, I should say. Yeah, 
like you know that's it's great I'm 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 manager of the club I've said this many times I'm I'm lucky to be manager of Bohemians um, I think it's a great club um, I love working for them I love working for the for the club because there's not much b- bigger in my my view in Irish football and uh, we're delighted to to get them back into into Europe like I said we won't be getting carried away we'll have to be very prudent about what we try and do we'll obviously try and 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 you know move forward and progress again next year um, that won't be easy you, you know like you, you know Pat's are Pats are a talented group of players you know Derry are, are up and coming you know Waterford have had a strong end to the season so there'll be a lot more challenges we fe- we feel um, next season uh, obviously there's a massive gulf be- between the top two and where we stand at the moment so we've lots to do um, but we'll enjoy tonight that's all we can do for, for now we're pleased to get the club back into Europe the resources and the money that that, that will bring in um, you know, like I said, it's a reward for the people that have, have saved the club and the supporters that come and get behind the team every week. Derek, what's the feeling after Bowes have sealed their spot in the Europa League? Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable achievement. Great feeling to get it done. You know, we can go now and enjoy the next week and enjoy the Sligo game next week. It was a it was a tense night. You lived on the edge at times, but you got the job done, and that kind of sums up your season, really, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Like we're you know a rigid group. You know we're a determined group. Great group of young lads in there that want to do well for themselves. And you know we didn't play well tonight. It wasn't pretty, but we got the result we wanted. All season, Keith has been praised for what he's done with this team and this squad, given that the limited resources as compared to other teams. In fact, the last couple of seasons he's been praised. Did, do you kind of think of it that way or how do you think of it how, what way do you frame the achievement of, of what you've done just, like you, you look at the achievement I don't think you can underestimate, underestimate the achievement that we've done you know with the teams that we've come ahead are all full time teams obviously bigger budgets than what we have you know so I think it's immense that uh, what Keith and Trevor have done you know Keith is like we've got the best manager in the league in my opinion where he gets our players the demands he puts on all the influence the belief he installs in them young, young lads to play and he gives them a chance you know and it's, it's a great it's a great achievement unbelievable achievement don't talk him up too much you'll no, lose him um, Kabir what makes Keith and Trevor such a good management team I just think they work together they bounce off each other very well you know Trevor's so Trevor like you know I've had him the last three years I've, I've never seen anybody like him to be honest with you he's attention to detail and everything he does and the belief he puts in them young lads is unbelievable and, and Keith, Keith as you say is the best like he's an unbelievable man manager yeah. and the scenes tonight I mean your supporters packed out the away end it was like you won a cup final it must have been uh, kind of magic to be part of that it must have been great to, to, to be part of those celebrations yeah they, 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 them lads have uh, them lads have done them but they, you know they've been brilliant to us followed us everywhere you know they've, they, they've come through tough times since I've been at the club you know it wasn't pretty at the start when I started off at this club and look at we've turned around now it's been an unbelievable journey Does that just go to show what you can do in the League of Ireland even if you don't have a massive budget? Yes I think so you know uh, it's, it's sustainability really you know what I mean and that's what our club are trying to do with them you know like we get you know, obviously we put pressure on ourselves, but the supporters back us even when we're having our little dips because they understand the young lads are there and we're not on massive money. There's no big, big time Charlies, as they say, in our dress room, and we work hard for each other and we got the results and the rewards this year. Stephen O'Donnell, same Pat's manager. How are you feeling after this scoreless draw with Bowes? Because you played well, but you didn't get the win you desperately needed to keep you in contention for Europe. Exactly, result-wise disappointed, but performance-wise quite happy. Um, you know, obviously we felt we saw that it was a big opportunity for us to go and win and set up the last week, but mathematically we're still not out of it, so we all our focus on Tuesday, but as I said, result-wise, in a game we should have won result-wise, 
disappointed but happy 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 with the performance I read in your programme notes beforehand that it would have been great to get to Europe but it wasn't the primary primary thing it's not how you judge yourself in your short time in charge here no my my, my view was uh, that I had to see every player play for St Pat's way up everything and so we're in a strong foot, foot and come to start the next season so that's the view I took obviously I want performances in that uh, I wasn't looking at a bigger picture of having to qualify for Europe I just want to see good performances and I want to see players training well during the week and taking that on onto a Friday Does it change much about what you'll be doing during the off season not qualifying for Europe I mean, no, because it is a significant boost budget wise yeah. had you got there No I don't think it does um, No it doesn't really in that department so Look, it's time, I think, we started taking a long-term view for St. Pat's. That's what we're doing. Um, and with that, we're getting the players. We just want the players training well and bringing the performance onto a Friday. So uh, it's not getting caught up with qualifying for Europe, as you say. Financially, it is a boost for the club. But I think over the course of time, it's better to see it's better to see every player and make sure you're making right decisions and finally it's only my second time seeing you and as you're well aware this is a non-expert eye um, but you look like you've got a good shape since you came in you, you look like you've got a kind of a purpose and a plan is that something that you've implemented is that something that you've kind of really wanted to work on um, yeah obviously you want to be going into every game with it with you look well organised you know when you see a, a team and you're kind of like ah, they don't look well or you do look well organised yeah, it's coming. It's coming from the players training well, uh, applying themselves very well, and uh, you know if you train well and do your stuff properly during the week, Friday just is just an add-on of training. Really, you turn up on a Friday night and you're well, you're well organised and you're well prepped and you're fit and able to go for 90 minutes. So that's what we're improving on, and um, you know. Uh, plan-wise and that sort of stuff. Obviously, I'd like to think every manager sort of organises his team with a bit of a pattern and a plan, so I'm no different. Yeah, that's Oshin Langan speaking to the St. Pat's manager, Stephen O'Donnell, and before him, the Bowes captain, Derek Pender, and the manager, Keith Long, on Bohemian's qualification for Europe for next season. The other results in the Premier Division at the weekend, I mentioned Derry City's 2-1 win over Sligo, meaning they will likely be in Europe next season as well. Cork City and Neil Fenn picked up a really good 1-0 win over Dundalk. Dara O'Connor got the winner there just before the break. It finished UCD 0, Shamrock Rovers 3, Joey O'Brien, Graham Cummins and Brandon Kavanagh with the goals for Rovers. That officially relegates UCD back to the First Division. An interesting debate on Twitter about Brandon Kavanagh's third goal because the UCD goalkeeper Connor Kearns played a pass out to one of his defenders and then went down injured... The defender played a blind back pass. Kearns was down and Brandon Kavanagh took the ball to score and suggestions on Twitter that maybe Brandon Kavanagh should have kicked the ball out or maybe Conor Curran should have kicked the ball out or maybe the defender shouldn't have played the back pass back. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Check Soccer Public on Twitter for uh, more on that video. It would be interesting to get your views on that. And Finn Harps, who are going to be in the playoff against either Drodd or Cabantilli, had a 1-0 victory over Waterford. Josh Smith got the winner there after just one minute. We'll focus on the First Division playoffs in just a few minutes' time. It's the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore, and I'm about to interview the first ever referee who's ever been on our League of Ireland podcast. Paul Chute refereed his last ever League of Ireland senior game on Saturday night as Derry City just about secured Europe with a 2-1 victory over Sligo in the showgrounds. And the Derry staff presented Paul with a signed jersey and he joins me on the line now the morning after the night before. Paul, good morning, how are you? Hey Jamie, good to speak to you, all's good. Yes of course, Sergeant Chute in the Air Corps as well and also a massive Ireland football fan has been to every game home and away for years and years and years so an interesting story Paul but how was your last League of Ireland game last night first of all? 
Yeah, it went well. It was only a, only one yellow card, but uh, yeah, I think they're the best team won. Um, it was a mo- an emotional night for myself. Um, knowing that was my last match actually in the middle. I'm doing the additional assistant referee in the FAI Cup final on November the 3rd, so I'm looking forward to that. That's the lad behind the goal, but uh, it was my last, last match in the middle. So, yeah, I kept it quiet. It was better off keeping it quiet and... Um, just yeah, it's just another move on in life, and I'm uh, hope to move on to Leinster Senior League. So yeah, but it was an emotional life, and uh, uh, thanks to Sligo and Derry who came into the dressing room after and wishing wishing the best. And uh, yeah, nice way to go. Yeah, you joined the League of Ireland panel, Paul, back in '99. So 20 years in the League of Ireland. How would you look back on your career? Yeah, '98. I think it was 22 years. Okay, uh, good career. Yeah. Um, from the start all the way through, I suppose highs, a few lows, mostly all the highs. Um, uh, met some great people, some great fans. Um, yeah, I've seen a great progression in the league, I suppose, from what was a very physical, um, tough league as regards challenges and tackles to we're probably getting a lot less physical. I suppose that's just through the laws of the games changing. Um, but yeah, met some mad characters on the pitch which changed the minute they went over the fight line the far side to being really nice guys off it you know so yeah just just that's the way just play people the way they were you know and um, yeah and there's no no one out and out people I'd say that um, that I wouldn't call friends to be honest uh, nearly everyone I met in the League of Ireland would be a class of friends and yeah I, I, enjoy, I have to say I always enjoyed my time on and off the pitch with uh, with referee. Yeah, and there's one thing that you would be known for across the league, Paul, apart from being a very, very good referee, is your relationship with players and managers and actually being able to talk to them on a first-name basis and, and, you know, being able to be someone that has a relationship with people and that helps you in managing the games, managing the managers and managing the players. Yeah, it does, I suppose. Maybe that's going out of the game a little bit more because they probably want... I think they're trying to... um, make more referees more uh, robotic, if that makes sense. It can help in in positives and negatives. Yeah, probably the positives you, you can you can um, diffuse situations. The negatives you might get a tiny bit too close to players at times. Um, but yeah, I I always found it a great man management tool. Um, it was great that you could when you go onto the pitch that you'd have a smile and face and you best look from both going both ways. You know what I mean to shake a hand and um, yeah, we certainly. Try to talk my way out of situations, possibly maybe talk myself out into situations as well. But that's the, that's the, the negative of being. Um, uh, I, I suppose players could could uh, use your. Um, they could talk you out of situations as well, if that makes sense. So yeah, it was a positive and negative. Negative, it's probably more positive. So I think. Yeah, and you mentioned you know referees these days. Some of them, most of them, being robots type thing and you still up until now have been able to maintain the character of Paul Shute the referee and it you know has made you different to lots of the others have you found that's helped particularly in some of the bigger matches where you know the players know that they can talk to you and you can talk to them and managers too that's not just going to be well if someone comes near you it's a yellow or a red card almost for even opening their mouth yeah most certainly yes yeah yeah definitely um as I, as I said the, the game has changed um probably players have changed as well they probably it's not as much camaraderie between referees and players as I was when I started and even before I started I think even there was more camaraderie I think there was um, there was a um, observers would 
um, agree that if you could talk your way out of situations, it was a positive. But now they want um, it's it's coming from it's not just coming from within the League of Ireland or FAO. It's coming from international level. They want if it's a card, it's a card, and um, there's no really talking your way around cards, and uh, they're, they're they're more mandatory. Um, so I wouldn't blame I'm blame League of Ireland observers or the FAO or anything like that. Um, could we we'll never go back to the way of talking your way out of out of situations? If 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 you see a tackle and it's a yellow card, if you see a tackle, it's a red card. That's what it is. I had one earlier on the season. I wasn't sure. I didn't give a red. I went down over it. And likely so. And that's the way this game has gone. And um, yeah, just just get, just get on with it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Something that we see at all the games now is you know a referee's assessor in the press box or in the stand with a clipboard, and you know in all the. UEFA games and underage games, you know, even the assessor is, is listed on the team sheet as the referee's observer or obsessor to or yep. assessor too, and, and they have these these notepads and these clipboards, and they sometimes will go into the change room and speak to the referees after. What sort of things are they looking for? And is that easier or hard as a ref to know that there's someone sitting in the stand with a clipboard, basically analysing every decision you make? Yeah, they're all. Firstly, they're all um, ex-referees. They'd all have an excellent knowledge of laws of the game. Um, they've been there as well, which means that you have to give the respect. To be honest, yeah, sometimes a referee might referee tiny bits of the observer because he probably would know who the observer is. He shouldn't, but let's be honest, we're all human, and we probably would referee to the to the observer. Some ref, some observers would be um, softer, some would be harder. What are they looking for? Obviously, the the main things would be fitness. And that's well at, at League of Orange, to be honest, that's a given that has to be. If you haven't got fitness and you don't look the part um straight away, whether you make a decision that's that's that if he uh, it's gonna come against you that your fitness was, was, was the reason. Uh, your man management, your general um confidence, um and just uh, yeah, the administration of the laws of the game that if it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card, if it's a red card, no matter what time of the game it is, uh, to give it. Um so, yeah, like people feel that the referee observer goes in, and what do you, whatever, they might feel the referees has had a the referees had a stinker. That's probably with blinkers on. A lot of fans would have blinkers on at times. I've, I've had blinkers on going to Ireland matches, and um, so the referees had a stinker. Maybe I'll go back and have a look at it, and maybe he didn't have such a stinker. Um, but again, the when a referee observer comes in, based on his report, um, it will mean that a referee is going to get more matches or less matches. And guys have had um, a rest. We, we don't call it suspension, but a rest for a number of games because of performance. Or they've progressed. The younger referees have progressed because of their performance. So it goes both ways. But um, we are certainly answerable to the referee observer and the hierarchy in refereeing. Interesting, yeah. That's fair. Uh... Very well explained. And Paul, you mentioned as well, you know, you listen to the observer. You also have to listen to the fans of both teams, not just the players and the managers too. And, you know, in some of the, the bigger games, whether they be Cork and Dock in recent seasons or any of the derbies involving Rovers, Pats or Bowls or whatever, they can be fairly sp- spicy games where the fans want yeah. to tell the referee and the linesman what they think of them yeah. as well as the players. How have you found being able to or having to, to deal with and hear that? Because, you know, lots of players claim that they don't hear things from the stand. But when, when you're on the pitch in League of Ireland stadiums, you can hear a lot of what's being said. Yeah, it's true. I've, I've operated in bigger stadiums and, and obviously the smaller League of Ireland stadiums and you do hear a lot more. You know, you've heard funny things about your ball this and your ball that and fucking get a haircut and <laughs> all that sort of thing, you know. But um, yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's ever affected me once I've gone onto the pitch. Um, yeah, you do hear it in the background. 
is it in your subconscious maybe affecting decisions? Maybe so, but I don't think so, you know. Um, no, I've ref- I was refereed that if I seen if I see a decision, I just give it, and uh, I don't think I'm swayed either way by by, by fan bases, you know. Um, oh, yeah, you have to respect the fan bases in the League of Ireland. It's a tough, tough gig to support um, a team in the League of Ireland between financially and the travel. And I'd respect as I, I, I've seen it from the other side. Going to Ireland matches, I'd respect all League of Ireland fans. Um, Without the fans, we don't have a game. Without players, we don't have a game. Without referees, we don't have a game. Without people like yourself, we don't have a game. It's a big, at the end of the day, it's a big, it's a big family, and we get bashed a lot of the time. And I think the league has. I'm getting off subject here. The league has totally progressed in the last, certainly in the last twelve years. I'd say maybe we haven't seen the progression we should in Europe with clubs, but I think we will. I think we will. I think, and I think. We've had a lot of uh, excellent players that have came through, that have came back from England, have gone to the League of Orange, have gone back to England, and um, I think the league has progressed hugely in the last 10 to 12 years. Oh, sorry, Jamie, I went totally off. No, you didn't there, at all, Paul, yeah, because yeah. I uh, actually had a question on my list later on as a referee who was actually on the pitch with the players. What standard do you feel the league was at? So you've answered that one, thank God. Yeah. I wanted to ask you as well, Paul, what goes into being a League of Ireland referee, you know, in terms of the training and the video work and, you know, even the kit now the referee has in terms of the earpiece to the line, linesman and the fourth official and you have a buzzer on your shoulder and a buzzer on the flag and there's there's lots of, of bits and bobs to help you. But what goes into the week and the life and the year of a League of Ireland ref? Yeah, well, we, um, well, starting, I suppose, the younger referees now go through what's called an FEI School of Excellence. They meet, I think, about six times a year, um, and they're constantly um, monitored by observers, no matter where they are in the country. There's usually a, a, a class, I think, of about 20, 20 odd every two years. They go through a two year cycle. Um, they constantly look at them throughout the two years, and they pick, I would say, probably four to five, maybe a few, a few more to move on to the League of Ireland where they move on to, sorry, during the School of Excellence they will be doing a lot of 13s, 15s, 17s um, and they don't really do 19s. So then when they come on to the League of Ireland panel they will do the 19s, move on to the First Division as line um, and possibly the Premier Division as line, as line, as, sorry, line, I still call it, line as assistant referees. Um Based and again, observers be looking at them. They will um, decide if they feel that their 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 career is better as an additional, or sorry, as an assistant referee, as a referee. And based on that, then really their career is mapped out. Now, some guys have gone from referee back into assistant referee, and the opposite way around. But generally, if you're they decide that you're going to be assistant referee, you stick with that. A referee, you stick with that. Um. We carry polar uh, watches where we have to do our training. Obviously, number one is fitness. Um, most of the guys will train at least three to four times a week, plus your match or two matches the weekend, as well as doing the first division and premier. We supplement with the 17th and 19th. We do assistant uh, referee on the 17th and 19th to try and give advice to the younger referees who are in the middle. Um we have three. We have a main seminar in January of every year, which we go through any law changes, and we have two additional seminars. The whole panel of League One referees, which is approximately fifty-five, meet up. Um, we have a three weekends where we 
talk about the change to the laws of the game. We have fitness tests. Um, we go through UEFA videos of uh, decision making. Um, what else? So yeah, we're constantly monitored. We're constantly meeting up. Um, yeah, that's really the the. the uh, we 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 carry the polar polar watches, so we know what we've covered. We cover probably about twelve k, I think, most matches. Um, and if we're not performing, if our marks from the observers were not performing, and um, we're expected to meet a a um, desired mark, if we don't meet that, or if we exceed the desired mark, yeah, the younger guys will be getting uh, will be moved up or moved back, and guys have been taken off the panel because. They just felt that they're not up to the standards. And Paul, the additional assistant referee, of which you will be one of two at the FAI Cup final on November 3rd at the Viva Stadium between Rovers and Dundalk, I'm fascinated to know what, what that role entails because we've seen in the bigger leagues around the world the introduction of VAR, which we'll never have in the League of Ireland if we're realistic, but like the role of the VA, of the uh, the AAR and, and what your, your job is and also the reason why that referee is on the same side of the pitch as the linesman on that end always confuses me because it would make sense to me for them to be on the opposite side of the goal so they're kind of in, in each quarter of the pitch type thing but just explain to me what your role will be in that It's a good call Jamie um, Firstly it's been phased out by UEFA this is probably the last time you, well I'm not saying it's going to be the last time but I would think it's probably going to be the last time that you will uh, you'll see it because I think ourselves and Belarus are the only two countries that um, have it at the moment we we uh, we the appointment for the additional assistant referee is made in the semi-final, the EA Sports Cup, the, the semi-finals of the FEI and the final. Um, so I would say it's probably the last time you'll see it because of VAR being rolled out in obviously all the major leagues in Europe. Will you see VAR in the League of Orange? Let's be honest. No. Will you see it in maybe an FEI Cup final in the Aviva? Possibly yes, because I presume the um, I, I don't know actually how the, 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 the cameras are installed or whatever but they will be installed for the Euros Euros yeah. and I would presume they'll have to be in place then for all the World Cup qualifiers I would think for where are we 2022 um, so the hardware I presume will be in place in the Aviva so perhaps in the future there will be far on the FAI Cup final I can't say that for definite but obviously they won't be around in League of Ireland grounds for a long time there's a lot more priorities than VAR um, yeah okay the, the role is generally the, the, the fan doesn't see much movement or calls from the additional assistant referee behind the goal but there, he is in constantly in communication through the referee concept with the referee and anything in that area he advises the referee that he's seen um, he's given uh, the referee uh, if he's seen a penalty in front will he advise the referee penalty 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 it's still up to the referee the referee still has the main call on on all calls either from the additional assistant or the assistant referee but if a referee the additional assistant referee or assistant referee is in a better position and the referee is confident that that's the right call he will give he will make the call on a penalty or on foul play or on um, violent conduct and like that if out of the referee's view there's an elbow or something like that the additional assistant will um, communicate that to the referee and it's up to the referee then to act on that and um, as I say from uh, the fan looking in it probably feels that he's there he's doing nothing but 
believe you me, he's doing a lot. Again, in, in a match, you may have no calls. I had one in a semi-final two years ago, and a call a penalty up in, unfortunately, not unfortunately, uh, Derry, uh, Derry Dundalk uh, replay, and I called it a penalty, and I was proved to be correct. Um, and I know there was a big call last year as well, and I still feel the referee was, and I not feel he was correct in the match last year in the semi-final. Should he be the far side? Yes, I presume you wait for uh, have done lots, had done lots. It's probably in. I don't know how long it's probably in. It's probably in six to eight years. Obviously, away for done a lot of um, testing of it. They felt that that was the, the right, the, the right side to have him because generally the referee runs on a diagonal, which is the uh, across the pitch from opposite the assistant referee. So they felt that that was the side he was on. To be honest, Jamie, I always found it strange myself because I would have thought that. Uh, with the, the the old linesman or assistant referee covering that side, it would make more sense that he would be there on the left side as you're as you're running. But that's what you wait for the side on. So I won't argue with Pierre Luigi Colina or you wait for. So we just get on with it. So uh, it's probably the last time you're going to see it anyway. Yeah, I would love to see the heat map of referees as well because they do have to run in certain directions opposite to their linesmen. So they're not just running around in circles. They're actually running in a position that they can have a view of the action opposite to the linesman which is very interesting and Paul you've also been a fourth official in a number of weeks as well because a number of matches should I say over the years because the fourth official has to be a qualified ref and also to referee the managers having a fight with each other on the sideline and the subs warming up and what colour bib they wear and all that sort of stuff as well and the fourth officials have heard some choice phrases from the managers over the years We have indeed I'll, I'll be honest like you know it, was, it, it has tamed down I remember I, when I was up in Pats and great characters and one of one of my best two of my best friends in, in, in the game uh, but, but they were hard work we'd say up in Pats because the old Pats it was, the dugouts were over the far side and you're about a little bit like Talker Park you're about an inch from the line uh, and with Pats you used to Pats Olin and Eamon Collins and then there was another guy the guy from uh, Dave Mahidi from, from, from Limerick but with Pats and they used, geez, they were, oh, it was tough, really tough. And then it was, uh, Longford were always tough. But yeah, but uh, you got out of, I got out of a lot of, uh, got of, um, sort of situations, trying to have a bit of crack with them, if you could. It wasn't always, you had to be tough at times. Um, the League of Ireland, um, the, 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 I remember that in them days, they used to get 20, 20 quid, was it 20 euro? It wasn't be 20 euros, probably 20 pounds or something like that, maybe it was a euro or pounds, uh, fines for, for, for showing too much aggression or getting thrown out of the technical area, which meant nothing. So they probably got, maybe got a match ban, but in, in, in latter years, they've been uh, hit a lot harder. So there has been a lot more discipline from the technical areas. And sometimes you feel like a bit of a school teacher because we are, we're instructed that can only be one standing and you feel like a bit of, you know, you sit down, you sit down. And like you can leave and stand for maybe 30 seconds to have a chat with the the, 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 the manager and the assistant. But um, you want everyone sitting. Uh, it can look as though you're a bit of a school teacher. And I prefer to try to take a pace to the background if I can, but I do step in when I have to, obviously. But again, you can diffuse situations with um, funny comments or... And to be honest... Or you have in situations that they'd say, oh, the referees, geez, that's definitely a free kick. And I would say, yeah, maybe you're right, Jay. He probably didn't see it from that situation. Maybe that he felt that it was uh, the challenge was a bit, a bit hard. But yeah, it was a bit of a soft free kick. You can you can diffuse situations like that. So, um, yeah, but I've never had a... Uh, I've never had a fallen out with, with, a, with a manager or a coach or someone sitting in the technical area that, that's carried on into other matches. You know, I've just... Um, 
the best left behind for, for whatever you know we all we all act differently when we go on to a pitch and um, I even act differently when I go to Ireland matches I can probably have a go I go as a referees and you see things from different angles because you have the the sunglasses the spectacles on you know what I mean are they? so that's the way it is so, anyhow now Paul my last three questions because I know you're heading off to watch uh, one of your kids one of your sons yeah. playing in the championship your other son yeah. Jack Tude of Cabin Teeley, has given me a question to ask you and he says, uh, he said, <laughs> when he gave go. me, he gave me many questions. There's only one that's actually actually acceptable for the podcast. And he says, you can also slag him that he loves telling people that he's a ref, and he always talks about the ref when we're watching matches, saying, "Oh, that ref is having a good game." He always sticks up for the refs. Yeah, I do because I suppose I've seen that um, how difficult a job it is. I wouldn't say I always stick up for the referee, but um, I would. I know how difficult a job it is um, and I know that they're doing their best no matter what um, they put a lot of time and effort into it if they've made a bad call they've made a bad call we're all human um, but I would certainly say that uh, yeah I would be I wouldn't I would, I would never knock a referee same as I wouldn't knock players I wouldn't knock knock um, you know I've seen players miss go- open goals I saw one the other night I won't say who it was it was out Cabin Teeley and um, Drada draw it and it was a, a good chance missed which I hope is uh, not missed next week players make mistakes referees make mistakes we uh, I think we at the end of the day you just have to accept it you know um, the only thing I would say is that um, I would say a good advice to younger referees if you make a mistake maybe not there and then admit it on the pitch but certainly if you've made a mistake own up to it don't hide behind a bad decision. If you made a bad, a bad decision, maybe the wrong call. But if it, if you made the wrong call, call it a wrong call. Be honest. Um, don't bluff. Well, bluff a little bit, but don't be a major bluffer. If you made mistakes, um, say it and be honest to yourself. And uh, you know, I, I talked there about uh, referee observers. Um, the, the best observer of 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 refereeing I've always found is myself. I've always self. Um, analyse my matches as players should if you've made mistakes you've made mistakes learn from them try not to make them again um, every match even last night there would be matches that I, that I would have mistake, made mistakes in and I'll I'll put them right for the length of senior league there's always something um, so yeah just uh, yeah, I do stand up for referees, and I feel it's the it's the, we don't without matches we don't have referees, and yeah, there's a few quit in it, quit in it, but generally they're there to try and promote the game and promote their own careers and make the match a good spectacle. Um, I know maybe there there can be over enforcement, the referee can become a centre of attention, but sometimes the referee becomes the centre of attention because he's right because he has to make the big call. And um, it's nice when a referee, people say, yeah, not a referee, he wasn't even saying to me, that's great, you know, yeah, that's fair enough. But also, there are matches that when he has to make a big call, he makes it, and that make, might make him um, the bad guy, but, you know, that's life. Yeah, it sure is, and yet your son Jack, of course, plays for Cabin Teeley, and before people ask, Paul has never refereed Jack playing for Cabin Teeley or playing for previous League of Ireland clubs or in the college because he can't, but he is a big Cabin Teeley fan. The best of luck to Cabo against Rada in the second leg of the playoff on Friday. Paul, our last two, you're a sergeant in the Air Corps as well, and that's a very interesting profession away from being a professional referee. So just give us a little bit of an overview of that and how you find that job too, and, and I'm sure maybe when you're a referee, it's able to distract you from the job and the pressure of the job and vice versa when you're working for the Air Corps sometimes. You know, you're thinking about the referee and vice versa. 
Yeah, I'm actually a sergeant major in the oh, army. Well, sorry, to... Jack told me you were a sergeant, so you can blame <laughs> him for that one. To, he knows nothing. <laughs> sergeant major too, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've moved up through the ranks. I've probably got as high as I can go. Um, I'm, what, Jesus, that seems a long time. I think I'm 35 years, since 17, uh, 35 years in the Air Corps and Defence Forces. Um, yeah, they've been very good to me. As I have been to them, I've done a number of World Military Games. Actually, best of luck to the Defence Forces team, who I think maybe today are playing their third match. They won their they got sorry they got beaten by I think Mali in their first. They beat the USA in the middle match, and I think they're playing um, Qatar or Oman. I, I checked that for you now, Paul. Yeah, I think they've played Qatar. I think maybe today in the World Military Games in China best looks them and Richie Barber great crew and they've put a huge amount of time in getting off offline again they actually drew 1-1 um, with Qatar this morning Paul drew one oh, so they qualified they? Well, for the quarterfinals well, on Wednesday oh brilliant well I'm delighted for them because they've put in a hell of a lot of time our referee won their matches against Sean McGraw was a friendly um, Qatar were again I'm getting off subject but I know Qatar have a lot of Africans playing for them they bring them in for money and I think it was more or less they're under 21 side they were playing so that's a terrific result I honestly didn't expect them to pull anything off. I thought they might have got a bit of a hiding today. That's great. I'm delighted for them. Um, Defence Forces, yeah, has been very good to me. Um, as I suppose I have been to them. I've been to a number of uh, European uh, military games and European and World Military Championships. Um, yeah, it's the type of job, I suppose, with the military that you have to be fairly regimental. Um, I was lucky enough to serve a couple of times in Chad, twice and twice in Kosovo, which probably affected the referee, my referee uh, career a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's a good career. Um, we're going through a crisis a bit with um, recruitment and the numbers were way down. Um, I would hope any young fella that um, is looking for a good career, I would uh, advise him to think about it, come in. It's not for everyone, but it's certainly for some people. And um, I couldn't promote the defence of forces more. And Paul, lastly and briefly, massive Ireland football fan. Every away game for years and years and years you've been to with some of your, your sons and, and you know there's a, you know, a small court or a big court of fans that go to every match. You're one of those home and away and you've had some amazing trips across the world, which I'm sure you'll continue now that you have a little bit more time on your hands maybe, although the Lenten Senior League will take up time, but you'll have time again to support the boys in green. Yeah, I don't think I can support them any more than I am at the moment, to be honest. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I started off at 12. Lucky enough, my dad brought me to matches when I was 12. That's what, 40 years ago. And I try and bring my lads as well. Even though it puts a, a hole in the bank account, try and bring them to the, the, as many away matches as I can. Is that all the away qualifiers in this end? Sorry, about all the away qualifiers probably in the last, I don't know, 15 years. Um, yeah, they're going through a bit of a, a tough period at at, at the moment. Um, obviously, we didn't perform or performed pretty poorly in the last two games. Um, obviously, there's, there's some that Aaron Connolly looked 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 a, looked to have a great future. There are some good lads coming through with the twenty ones. Um, I would I'd always try and look on the bright side of life as I got played in a in a pub in Tbilisi last week. I was looking the bright side of life. We still have the Denmark match maybe to or I don't want to talk about the playoff. We do have the Denmark match maybe to put things right. Uh, it's a big ask. Will they do it? If you if you want me to be honest, my heart says yes. My head says no. But we owe them one certainly, and we owe Schmeichel one from the smart comments. Correct um, to me. Yeah, he actually said those to me. What's, what's that to me? Oh, Sorry, and I'm not talking about Peter, I'm talking about Casper, who gave an interview after one of the home yeah, games this year and was yeah. so disrespectful to Ireland. Like, 
Yeah, good lad. Well, that's well. If anything, I'm sure it'll be ramped up a little bit before the the match. I'm sure Mick will use it. He's a good. Uh, he's good at that sort of thing. Um, we owe them one, especially after the five one as well in the in the last World Cup. Um, so what am I saying? Yeah, uh, I, 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 heart says yes, head says no, but. It's it's a ninety minute game. We're quite quite capable of doing them if we if we really get stuck into them and the fans get behind them and um, get the negatives out of the way and yeah, who knows? Um, and just just if we can qualify, we can maybe maybe bring some of the younger guys through. What what uh, what a great uh, thing it would be to play in front of our own fans at a at a, a European finals, you know. So um, I'd hate for us to pass up on that chance. And for a European Championship to be in, in Dublin and, and Ireland not there, it would be, be, be terrible, to be honest. So, um, for everyone, yeah, let's get behind the team. Let's try and get the negatives out of the way. Have a good go at Denmark and see what it brings us. And uh, maybe Casper uh, and Peter Schmeichel might think a little bit more differently on November the 19th. Yeah, great stuff. Pachu, thank you a million for your time. I know you were uh, up late last night. You had to drive home from Sligo and you're off to see your son now playing in a game match. So, thanks for your time. Congrats on the League of Ireland yeah, career. Just one Best more go on. Just one more thing. Thanks, Jamie. You've always been an absolute gentleman and a friend. And um, best of luck. And uh, see you soon. Yes. Cheers, Paul. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jamie. Bye. Yeah, never in my life did I think I'd spend uh, half an hour interviewing a League of Ireland referee and such an interesting guest. And thanks very much to Paul Chute for his time. And the very best of luck to him on his uh, continued career as a referee in the Leinster Senior League, being an Ireland fan and, of course, as a Sergeant Major in the Air Corps. Now, in the first division, it finished Cabin Teeley 1, Drawdy United 1 in the first round of the relegation promotion playoff second series of games at Stradbrook on Friday, a game we mentioned briefly there with Paul because his son Jack was playing. Kieran Marty Waters gave Cabo the lead in the fifth minute before Jake Hyland, the Drada captain, equalised with 11 minutes left. Second leg, 7.45 this coming Friday at United Park in Drada. And that's a game we're going to talk about now in a moment with Dara Doyle, who is the Longford Town manager, also played for Drada and Cabin Teeley and faced, of course, Cabo in the playoffs last week. Here's my chat with Dara. You're on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore. Very happy to welcome Longford Town manager Dara Doyle back to the show again. Dara would have spoken to us a couple of times in his time at Longford and also uh, playing and coaching with Cabin TD, a great League of Ireland career. And hopefully to continue, he's one of the candidates who's put a CV in for the permanent Longford Town job after, of course, he took over in caretaker charge from Neil Fenn, who moved to Cork City during the summer. Dara, good morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Great to speak to you, Jamie. Firstly, Dara, let's just look back on the playoffs and the heartbreak of the shootout defeat to Cabin Teeley last weekend, you know, at City Calling Stadium and I listened to an interview on the Longford SoundCloud and you were saying that there's no worse way to lose a football match than a shootout and I'd certainly agree with you. Yeah, no, there isn't. I mean, I've, I've been in the scenario where um, I've won one of them shootouts as a player. I think that was for Bray against Monaghan when the, the famous wall fell down and everything that happened that night. And listen, it's, it's, when you win, it's great, but on the flip side of that, to lose a game like that, it's, it's really tough. It's a, it's a hard way to lose a game. It really is, and I, I couldn't understand how some of the players probably felt on that Monaghan team back however many years ago that was. But um, no, not a nice way to go out and uh, finish up the season, unfortunately. What do you say to the players, Dara, after something like that when they've put their heart and soul into a season, put their heart and soul into two matches, and just come up sh- come up short in a shootout? Um, this really, really does not a lot. You can say um, it's, it's a tough place to be in the dressing room when it's like that. I mean, I, I had a chat with them out on the pitch after it. And, I listen, I, I thanked them. I told them I was proud of how they performed, how they played, um, and for the effort and commitment and the quality that they've given me since taking over. And listen, I told them, listen, this is a horrible place to be where we are now. It's, it's a bad, hard, hard feeling to take. And I think for some of the players, we have a number of young players in the team as well. 
that I said to them, listen, as hard as this is now, this will stand to you going forward, the feeling that you have now to hopefully you'll never have it again. But um, it is something that will stand to them as an experience and like it's a hard place to be. Obviously, when you go back into the dressing room after a game and listen, everyone's down, everyone's disappointed, your hard work all season and your effort and commitment to get where you want to be is sort of taken from you. That's what it sort of feels like and it would have been nice for us to be the team playing Drogheda on Friday night. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, but... Um, no, it's a tough place to be, but I mean, you have to be back and be ready for it. We brought the lads in in the week to finish it off rather than to finish it off with a case of us being in the dressing room with a good, hard, raw feeling after being knocked out of the league. And so we went in and we did a light session in the week and we all went out for dinner together as a group and the staff um, in the week as a sort of final to the season rather than remembering that hard place we were in the dressing room after the game. Yeah, great stuff to, to you know have some time with the players after that. You know, yeah. that match, I suppose, as well. And Darry, you took over from Neil in August. I've been his assistant for the previous couple of years as well. And I mentioned in the introduction that, you know, uh, the club have accepted applications for the job and they're in the process of, of whittling down a shortlist for interviews. You're one of those people that have applied. What's the latest as far as you understand it on, on the timeline there? And I know you're very, very hopeful that they will choose you as the new permanent manager. Yeah, no, listen, I am. I'm, like I say, my, my name is in the hat. And obviously, I, I finished the season off there and, um, I'm in with a, long, a number of candidates that are in for the position. Um, my bearing on it at the moment is that they're shortlisted, that they have the candidates they're looking at um, getting that shortlist down to a number that they look to get in for interview. And I'm hopeful that um, that process will be finished by next Friday or so. It may be the case it stretches on a little longer, but I think from the club's point of view, it's important um, whatever way going forward and who is to take over, it's important to get it done, in my opinion. The sooner the better because the sooner you can try to um, nail down some of the quality players that are in that group and I think that's important for the club going forward regardless of who comes in as manager. Yeah, because it's an interesting you know, period of time for a club like Longford even if they, if, they, if if you were the permanent manager or if they had a permanent manager like the Premier Division is still going on there's some First Division games still on because of the playoffs and your own season is over but I'm sure as well, you know, maybe some players might hope to be signed by Premier Clubs for next year or if Cabin Teeter draw to go up or, or how things work. So it's kind of an interesting time either way for a club who haven't made the playoffs, whose season is finished and yet other club seasons are still going on. Yeah, no, that's I mean, it's, it's a difficult place to be and ideally, um, if everything was great, I'd be in that position and I would have been able to speak to players immediately or before the end of the season. But the way things have sort of finished out, listen, it is what it is and it, it's got to be dealt with. But... Um, no, for, I think from players' point of view, they probably do appreciate being probably approached before the end of the season or as soon as possible after the end of the season with the possibility of if there's an offer there or not. And from the club's point of view, you're in a position where if the manager is in place, obviously you can go and approach players or talk to players sooner rather than later. And so, I mean, that's the tricky position that we're sort of in at the moment. But um, I mean, we've said it to the lads just to sort of, if they can hold fire for, for, for a bit of time to see for the club to make the appointment and once the appointment is made, I'm sure that the club or whoever will be there will be in touch with a number of them because there was a high level of players at the club this year and in my opinion, I felt we were, we were one of the strongest teams in the league. And um, Listen, we, we've gone out in a hard way, but um, if you can keep that group of players together, you wouldn't go far wrong next season with the group. 
And how have you found becoming a manager, Dara, for the last number of games? Not sure exactly how many games you were in charge of, but when, when Neil left and, you know, that was probably hanging over everybody for a week when the reports were out that he was speaking to Cork, but he hadn't actually left yet. And, you know, the window was closed, so you couldn't sign anybody. But you've just spoken about how happy you are with the quality of the squad. So you, you did have a decent team to go and work with. You did make the playoffs in the end. So how did you find that change from number two to number one over those uh, that period of weeks and games? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of obviously added responsibility involved in the role, and just I really enjoyed everything that it added. Like you've more obviously with, with the players, there's, there's more responsibility on you at the end of the day, and just I really enjoyed it. I really felt the triumph in it, and I felt I got the most from the group that I had, um, which is the most important thing for the manager. Obviously, I was able to bring John Martin in as um, my assistant. John came in, and he was great for us as well. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it, and listen, it's something that I, that I see myself going further with. And listen, I'd love to be in a position where I can be the Longford Town manager for um, the twenty twenty season, and that's what I really want. Yeah, and this sounds like a strange question, but the main areas of difference between manager and assistant or coach, Dara, and you know, we hear a lot that the assistant is kind of you know the link and he is between the players and the manager, and at times he can be maybe a little bit closer to players in certain scenarios than maybe the manager would be because. You know, it's the manager that's effectively picking the team and deciding who's playing and who's not playing. So very quickly, you had to go from first of all being a player at Cabin TD to being an assistant manager, and then being an assistant manager to a manager. And your relationship, I'm sure, had to change a small bit with the group. Yeah, well, I think it changes throughout your whole sort of playing career. Maybe when you're a young lad getting into the team, and then as you break in and you become a regular, and then as you become a more experienced footballer, you, you tend to maybe be a leader or a captain in, inside, which, which I was towards obviously the, the latter years of my career. And again, you're you're sort of changing and evolving all the time. Um, and then obviously when I went into obviously being a player coach at Cabin Tealy, you take a bit of added responsibility there. And then you go on to be the assistant manager. And yeah, you've, you've a big say in how training is run and how things are done. And you give your opinion obviously to the manager. And like you say, you are the link between the players and the manager. And, and you can um, obviously get close or to the players in my opinion possibly as the assistant manager and then when you go into being the manager at the end of the day it falls to you and I think um, you can still be the person you are but I think you have to be honest with the group and you have to make the decision sometimes it's tough I mean I had really tough decisions to make in that last playoff game with players I had a full squad bar uh, Anthony Breslin and um, a lot of players in good form and listen you can only pick 11 but I think the best way my approach is to be honest with the lads um, and they're tough decisions they are tough decisions but they have to be made as a manager and, and you have to be able to make those decisions and listen I felt I was able to make some decisions that have to be made there and listen I'd be happy to continue to do that but it's the toughness of the decisions really that it comes down to when you're the manager that, that fall at your, your feet rather than as you say as a coach or as an assistant manager yeah, the best of luck, Dara, in the quest to get the job. And just a final two, you played for Drogheda in the 2014 season and you spent some time with Cabin TD as well as player coach and they're the two teams involved in the next phase of the playoffs, a 1-1 draw at Strabrook on Friday. I'm not sure if you were at the match, Dara, but they had the second leg to come and the winners of that then have to play Finn Harps and, you know, Finn Harps are a hardened team who are experienced in playoffs as well. So just what's your assessment of, of first of all, the second leg and the hopes of, of either team to try and beat Finn Harps and get up to the Premier? Yeah, so I think both obviously have a good chance. They're two good sides. Cabotelli are a real, real tough side. They're, they're a difficult side to play against. They make things um, hard for you. Um, you could see what they did that against us and, and they got through. So all credit to Cabotelli. They've had a great season. Um, Drogheda on the other side have scored a lot of goals this season and um, they're an exciting team. Um, I didn't get to the game on the Friday. It was probably still a bit raw for me to go to that game hoping that it would have been us that was in it. Um, I go to the game now next weekend but um, I, I don't anticipate anything but a tough game there between Bolton 
listen, it could really go either way as much as it is probably in a sense a little bit. It'll be hard for me to say which way that's going to go. Um, if either side do manage to get through and obviously come up against Finn Harps, they are in for a difficult game. They're against a team that has played Premier football all season, which the standard and the tempo is quicker than the first division. So they're against a team that have been at that all season. But the only flip side of it is we have teams that have been competing and have won the majority of games. And you've got Finn Harps that are coming into it where they've lost a number of those games despite it being at a quicker tempo. So it'll all come down to obviously close margins and like I say, the last couple of years, it has been the first division team that's gone up. Um, and I don't see why that can't happen again this year. So, um, no, but there's exciting games to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, excellent assessment there by Dara, of course, experience in playing and coaching in, in that league in, in recent years. Lastly, Dara, just your view on, on where things are going with, with the league structure. And, you know, we hear reports about the clubs possibly voting for this split after two series of games into three leagues, like a, a top league and a mid league and then the league at the bottom. I certainly am in favour of it. I haven't heard the full story of it, but I just think we need to try and work with the two leagues of 10 for now. And, you know, in the Premier, we have the top race for the title and we have the race for the top four and you have the teams and maybe seven and eight looking over their shoulders for ninth. And up until last week, UCD could have caught Harps and Harps could have caught Cork and so on. And up until this weekend, probably Pats could have made Europe. Same in the first division. A, you know, club like Bray didn't even make the playoffs despite having a great season. I think stick with the two tens and try and make that better. What's your own view on on you know the reports of, of this split? And if you had a magic wand to pick your own structure, what would you what would you choose? Yeah, no, listen, I definitely wouldn't be a fan of the the split into three and, and going that way. It would be something that would, in particular, leave the the bottom teams behind. It obviously it, it's not good for the whole of the game in the country. So something that I'm against. Um, I agree with you there with keeping it at the two teams of ten. I think that the first division should be four rounds rather than three. I don't think 27 games is is enough for the first division and whether the groups can get together and, and make that point of getting 36 games in in the first division so it's in line with the Premier, I think that'll be far better for the season um, going forward. But no, I definitely think at the minute the playoffs that have been interesting so over the last few years in the first division are very good. It's made it interesting, like you say, and on the flip side of that, towards the bottom end of the Premier, it, it's still important because you have clubs making sure they don't finish in that ninth place so it makes it competitive and Again, at the top end, you have the top six competing for the European places. Um, the only way I could possibly see an improvement, people talk about the All-Ireland League. Um, for me, there's a number of difficulties, but it's definitely something that needs to be looked at and needs to see exactly what we can do. I mean, we have a number of big, big businesses in Ireland, the likes of a Guinness, the likes of... There's massive companies that could come on board with sponsorships or something like that. And with big business that come in to, to sponsor some, something like an All-Ireland League, there's no reason why that the rewards, that's the for um, money given for positioning, isn't massively improved. And if that was massively improved, it would be something that the, the teams could look at rather than like in some cases, there's clubs breaking even with their the if they finish seventh, eighth, ninth, wherever they finish in the league with the prize money they get for it. It's only nearly in some cases covering, in particular in the fourth division, your your entry fees and and stuff like that. So that's something I think that definitely needs to be looked into for going forward as a possibly an all Ireland league. Um, but for the moment I definitely think we're best staying with the two groups of 10 and extending the first division out to four series of games as well improve marketing from the league um, and from the media I mean we do as much as we can like everyone that works within the league but I think there's more we can do nationally to to get it out there I mean you see some of the work done even with, with the ladies football through Little with the Gaelic and yep. how big that sort of even gone and the numbers there again and for me their marketing and the, the push to to make this league and to make the football and what we have here into an industry, it really needs to be pushed. It really needs to be helped along by everybody and um, pulling in the right direction to make it the best we can. 
Great stuff. Fascinating chatting to you. And uh, listen, I appreciate you having the call in the middle of the process to appoint a new long-term manager. So the best of luck in that, Dara. I'm going to speak to you soon. Thanks a million. That's Dara Doyle. Thanks very much, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, interesting stuff there from Dara Doyle. I fully agree with him on the fourth series of games for the first division and trying to stick to the two 10-team divisions, if that's at all possible. Now, you'll remember earlier in the year I was joined in the studio for an emotional interview by a Dublin man called Brendan Dawson, a player for Airfield United, need to stop playing and put his whole life on hold to fight cancer. That interview was in early July and just over three months later he returned to the pitch yesterday and we said at the time we'd do a follow-up and he joins me on the line now. Brendan, good morning, how are you? Jamie, how are you? Good to speak to you again. Now, if you go on to Twitter, at We Are Airfield, we've just retweeted a picture of Brendan back on the pitch yesterday for Airfield United. And Brendan, before we speak about the return, you might just give us a brief reminder of the story you told us in July. Yeah, not about it, Jamie. Um, three years ago, I found a cyst on my Tesco. Um, I went to get a check and I was told I'd not to worry about that uh, it was just a cyst. Um, unfortunately, my mother got sick this time last year. I'd done a follow-up check and wasn't happy went into the doctor where I was immediately brought for surgery. When I came up from surgery, I was told I had a testicle removed, that I was one of the lucky ones, that the cancer was fully enclosed and that I could get on with my life and I'd have to do checkups for the next two or three years. Uh, my six-month checkup came there in May and I was told immediately that um, I'd have to start three bouts of chemotherapy, which was a three-cycle term. Um, during the treatment I ran into complications where clots formed on the brain and I nearly passed away but thanks to the people in Bowmount and Professor Grogan they got everything on track uh, changed around the treatment and I, I went from three term cycle of chemotherapy to a four cycle and I finished there now five weeks ago and two weeks ago there I was told again for the second time that I now have the all clear Fantastic so you've been through the chemo, you've been through the operations, you've been through the emotions of all of us, and to be told that you have the all clear, what was that feeling like? Yeah, look, it's fantastic. Um, it, it, it's more of a relief for my family, my wife in particular, um, the kids, but for me, I'm sort of, I'm, I don't mean to be any way negative because I'm not negative at all, but I'm just, I'll deal with it because um, they told me the last time, look, you've got the all clear, you've nothing at all to worry about. So this time I'm, Yes, I'm delighted with the news, but I'm sort of in the back of my head. I'm just right. We'll just draw a line under this and, and take each day as it comes from now on. Like they've said to me that the next three to six months are the most important to see if any cells reform as well. But they've also told me that with the treatment that I've got, 19 out of 20 people will never have any side effects again. So I'm hoping this time around that I'm definitely one of them 19 people, you know. Of course, and Airfield yesterday tweeted, it's great to see at DOS 05 back in an Airfield jersey, Brennan. You're there in your uh, pink and black striped jersey in action. How did it feel to be back on the pitch? Ah, look, it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's something I had to do mentally. Uh, I was told not to go back playing football until contact football or any sort of sport till December, but um, once I got the all clear and it was just a case of luck taking it easy and to be honest the lads there at Airfield have been absolutely amazing I'm, I'm actually up with the second team and there's a new management team in there at the moment Gary Deegan Phil Cox Joe and Dave McMahon and they took me under their arm and let me, allowed me to train looked after me and I basically started to crawl walk and then as of yesterday it was my first game back I wouldn't say I was much good but just to get back out onto the pitch and, and play competitive football, put a tackle, put a header in. 
there's no feeling in the world that can describe that. And I'm sure any footballer that's listening or anyone that plays football, whether it's professional to a game of ball with your mates on a Saturday or a Sunday, that feeling of going across the white line, nothing replaces it, you know. So it was fantastic to be back on the pitch yesterday, and especially with my friends, all my mates are at airfield. So it's a, it was a great day, like, and there was a lot of family there, emotional for a lot of them. But for me, it was just a game of ball. I was just delighted to be back trying to play football, you know. It was brilliant. Yeah, that game against Fairview CY, I think a 3-2 defeat in the end. And I'm sure the opposition, Bren, even though most of them probably knew or were, were aware of your story, they certainly weren't going easy or showing you any sympathy which shows, you know, how far you've come in your recovery and your treatment that you're back on the pitch in a competitive game where fellas are trying to smash you. Oh, it, it's one of them things you're always saying, just give us an easy game to ease me way back in. We played a 3-5-2 and I was left at a 3 and um, there was a winger, a little lad, 22 years of age. And I think 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to catch him. So it was just like trying to get positional sense so I didn't get too tight so he'd spin me and roll. But look, it was brilliant to be back on. And in fairness to favour there, their manager came over to me after the game said, look, I've followed your story. Congratulations. Great to see. So it was a class act from them. And, and from my club airfield as well, the, the amount of goodwill messages and gestures I got from people last night on social media, uh, text messages, it's just brilliant. Like the support behind me has been absolutely fantastic, and I can't thank people enough. You know. Yeah, great stuff. And I actually WhatsApp Brendan myself around half ten last night, and he took the WhatsApp and arranged to have an early call in Manchester Airport this morning, which is great. And lastly, Brendan, I know you want to mention when you spoke to us in July about what you want to say to men listening about what happened to you and what can happen to others, and what's very important for men to do to check themselves and to make sure if they have any doubts at all that they're going and get things looked at as you did? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, as I mentioned in our previous interview, I've never been to a doctor a day in my life. I've never never been to a doctor since I got basically a needle in my bum when I was four years old. And I never thought anything like this would come on my doorstep and hasn't affected uh, any, any of my family or close friends. And then all of a sudden, this is thrown upon me and I'm just like, how is this happening to me? So... Like I said, I stressed a million times, um, make the check, um, please, chemo isn't fun. It was a nightmare to go through. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And it's simple, just have a feel around, have a check. If there's any uncertainties at all, please, please, please go to your doctor, go to your GP and just get it checked out. Do not leave something like this to chance because, I'm, as I've said so many times before, chemotherapy isn't fun and it's not something I'd like to see anyone go through, especially with family and friends around them. So please, please make the check. I can't stress enough, you know, Ben. Yeah, and loads more on this story as well. Our full interview with myself and Brendan from July, which at the time, Brendan was very sick and, you know, there are parts of that interview talking about the illness, but also talking about, you know, how he found what he found, going through the treatment process and how it impacts friends and family and all that. That interview, we're going to repost it on 98fm.com right now. So go to the podcast section and you'll find it if you want to have a listen back. And Brendan, thanks a million for your time. The best of luck for the rest of the season. And we'll speak to you soon. Jamie, thank you very much. As always, a touch of class and I'll speak to you very soon. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, if you want to hear that full chat with Brendan from uh, In July Time, you can listen to it right now in the podcast section of offtheball.com. That is it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Apart from to give you the fixtures in the final week of the Premier Division, one game on Tuesday and a big game for St. Pat's and Derry in the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium. That game kicks off at 7.45. And four games next Friday, October 25th, the last series of League of Ireland fixtures. Bowls against Sligo, Dalyman Park, all the games at quarter to eight. It's Derry City against Finn Harps, Dundalk against Pat's 
and Dundalk will lift the league trophy at Oriel Park. It's Shamrock Rovers, Cork City and Waterford against UCD. And of course, the FAI Cup final taking place on Sunday, November 3rd. We'll have tickets for that and a full preview of the Cup final as well the week before on our podcast. And we'll have more on that in the coming weeks. Have a great weekend, folks, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. That was an Off The Ball Podcast Network presentation. 